In this episode of Paid by the Word, Mike interviews globetrotting writer and international editor Tom Popper. Here's a snippet from their conversation. I mean, the publisher told me they they would squash us like a bug if they decide to. Um, so there was always the fear. And um, after the fear, I quit. And then came the, the boredom, if you will. Uh, it was, you know, and it was always the fear of yeah, being out of a job. A little bit worrying about some kind of government persecution, um, but not so much. The, uh, um, the Hungarian authoritarianism is kind of creepy. It just it gets in your way and slows you down. They don't have to beat anybody up. They don't have to arrest anybody. You know, they they come after some people with criminal charges or something like that. But they mostly, they just get in your way and slow you down. And I, I've spoken with other journalists who said the same, that they, they can't, they couldn't win. They couldn't say what they wanted to say. And, you know, leaving just meant that they stopped talking. Well, hello there, and welcome to Paid by the Word, a podcast featuring conversations with professional writers and editors. If you are curious about what goes on in the minds of people who write and edit for a living, this podcast is for you. Thanks, Zoe. In today's episode, I speak with Tom Popper. Tom is a career journalist and editor. Back in the late 1980s and early 1990s, Tom and I worked together on the news desk at the Stamford Advocate. One day, he packed his suitcase and moved to Budapest, where he continued his adventures in journalism and served for more than two years as the editor-in-chief of the Budapest Business Journal. Tom is now a senior editor at EIT Health, which is part of the European Institute of Innovation and Technology. Tom spoke with me recently from an old farmhouse in the south of France. Here are bits and pieces from our conversation. Hey, Tom, I think that most of us in the business have dreamed about working as a writer in another country, becoming a foreign correspondent, combining writing with travel and exploration. You've pretty much done exactly that. You're living the dream. Tell us briefly about your career path and explain to us why you chose to work in Budapest. Well, I I don't know if chose is the is the word i i moved to hungary and and started looking for work i worked with you in the u.s and uh, at a daily paper i was on news desks at a lot of daily newspapers back in the 90s in the print days um and then uh moved to hungary to be with my girlfriend back in 1991 and Hungary was fascinating back in 1991. The, the, all the changes were coming. Everything was possible. Everything was opening up. And um, I looked for work in the news business there and ended up at a the first English language weekly, first independent English language weekly. There was a government one that was pretty bad. My favorite headline from the Daily News, which was a weekly put out by the government, was, quote, things not so bad, end quote. Um, so, great headline. Anyway, it was pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, go on. So, uh, yeah, I ended up working at uh, Budapest Week, and it was really fun. And it was uh, a bunch of foreigners suddenly appearing in this country where there hadn't been many foreigners 
trying to figure things out and um, covering the the birth of a democracy um, and everybody was inventing everything I I had an interview with the minister deputy minister of agriculture and I came in with some questions and he sat there and spoke to me for two hours and I thanked him and I said this is really great and you know it's amazing you give me all this time and and he said well it's my job isn't it um so I was like yes sure um you know you you try to get the deputy secretary for agriculture in the U.S. and you know you're going to run into a lot of no's on the phone um anyway uh was exciting time it was interesting and this was the work that I found I wasn't so much a foreign correspondent I could sell some things now and again to US publications but what I was doing was working in Hungary um, for outlets that needed English a um, couple years of that and then I found myself switching over to um, the uh, sort of PR, sort of the dark side, but it was a, an environmental organization, international environmental organization. I was doing communications work for them, helping them publish magazines, that sort of thing. It never felt like PR. Um, and then uh, academic editing, a lot of different things because, yeah, when you're in Europe, you're not connected with the American network um, And it was hard to find, you know, just straight up reporting or editing work. Let's see, more recently, around 2010, it was uh, after a lot of freelance um, work for Time Out, they opened Time Out Budapest, just kind of at the end of print when uh, um, going out, you know, travel and entertainment magazines were kind of the last thing that were still working in print and um, that was loads of fun I got to cover the city that I knew very well by then uh, doing the restaurants and bars and clubs and the, you know the entertainment the whole thing and then you were hired to be the editor-in-chief of the Budapest Business Journal then I found myself as editor-in-chief of the Budapest Business Journal um, and this was around uh, 2015 or so. And by then, Hungary already had its Viktor Orban problem. This guy who came in in 2010 and by now has built himself quite a reputation as one of the big would-be dictators of Europe. Um, and he uh, really went after the media. He wanted to control the media and... Uh, in 2015, when there was a huge wave of refugees and migrants coming across Europe, um, he was demonizing refugees. He was getting on the radio every week and coming out with the most horrible Islamophobic statements. And as the, uh, the Budapest Business Journal that I was working for was a small business paper with a, you know economics and 600-word editorial, um, And in that editorial, I was taking on the government on a regular basis, saying, you know, this is crazy. Um, these are refugees. They need help. Uh, Hungary, by the way, uh, needs workers. 
you know, and just generally um, also opposing the government's um, attacks on free media, that sort of thing. And after a while, um, the publishers told me to take it easy on that kind of stuff because we're going to get in trouble with the government. You know, and this is, uh, what were we, uh, 20,000 circulation in print every two weeks and then um, a daily thing on the internet, a daily kind of news service with maybe 10 stories a day. And I was hesitant and then I kind of was careful and then I went back at it, and, you know, and there was a referendum coming up where uh, the government wanted to say, to hell with Brussels, we are going to not take a single refugee. Um, and I was criticizing that referendum. And um, the publishers again call me in. They say, cut this out. No more editorials. No more opinion in the editorials. You're going to write about, you know, the, the editorials are going to talk about how the GDP is going up. And that's it. And I said, so what am I in journalism for? Why am I doing this? And... Um, I had some freelance things going on. I just left the job. You resigned. It was a weird choice. It was, all right, I am not going to be cowed by the government. I quit. So instead of um, saying, you know, instead of kind of pushing against the government and trying to write within the lines, I was dead silent. My voice was was silenced, okay? And it was uh, it was a tough call, um, but yeah. Now now that I see you know five years more on, um, yeah, it's there's just no point in staying within the system. The government now owns all the major media. Um, if they don't own it, then an oligarch who's friendly with Viktor Orban owns it. So yeah, it, it's frustrating and futile in the end to be in the Hungarian media. What did you do next? What are you doing now? At the moment, I work um, for EIT Health. It's an EU-funded agency um, that promotes medical innovation in Europe. And I do their website, I do publications for them, and I use the editing skills that I've had and I've always loved to use um, doing that kind of work. So, uh, yeah, it's can't be a crusading journalist. That didn't work out. But I still am doing work I love, still editing, still writing. Um, and that's my career in a nutshell. Tom, did you regret going to Hungary? Yeah, that, that was maybe the, you know, at that time I felt kind of disappointed in American politics. And I was like, oh, geez, I don't know. Um, there's no... Yeah, there's no way to to know what would have happened if I hadn't gone. Um, I know that uh, when I was working with you at the Stanford Advocate, the big hope then was to get to New York Newsday. Um, That was kind of the the feed, the next logical step in daily newspaper business. Um, But now, as we know, the daily newspaper business is not what it was. It was that was at its height. then. who knew that? Um, it's really hard to say where my career would have gone. But I will say that editing is something that I, I love to do. Editing has 
been my career. It still is. There's still, you know, the internet has gotten rid of print media, but it it has like multiplied the number of words out there by a great deal. So they still need editors. They still need us, um, just differently than they used to. That's a great point. The sheer volume of words out there has grown enormously, and many of those words, most of those words, need to be edited. Tom, when you were editing the business journal, how did you deal with the stress? Were you frightened at some moments? Yeah, so when I was working, um, you know, and criticizing the government, it was constant fear of being fired, constant fear that they would take some rough action against you. Yeah, this small publication that I worked at, I mean, the publisher told me they, they would squash us like a bug if they decide to. Um, so there was always the fear. And um, after the fear, I quit, and then came the, the boredom, if you will. Uh, it was, you know, and it was always the fear of yeah, being out of a job, a little bit worrying about some kind of government persecution, um, but not so much. The, uh, um, the Hungarian authoritarianism is kind of creepy. It just, it gets in your way and slows you down. They don't have to beat anybody up. They don't have to arrest anybody. You know, they they come after some people with criminal charges or something like that. But they mostly, they just get in your way and slow you down. And I, I've spoken with other journalists who said the same, that they, they can't, they couldn't win. They couldn't say what they wanted to say. And, you know, leaving just meant that they stopped talking. They, and slowly the government gets the kind of landscape they want where there's just not much criticism. I find it admirable that you managed to hang in there for as long as you did. Nobody enjoys working under those kinds of conditions. And threats, even if they're not physical, can grind you down psychologically. Tom, I've always admired your work ethic, and I think it's amazing that you managed to keep working. And speaking of work, tell us about your typical workday and tell us which professional habits you rely on to get you through a typical workday as an editor. So I don't know the typical workday. So I now um, put up a lot of web copy for different projects. And um, the typical workday starts early. So they... Uh, these are project managers, and they they have a project description or a news item that they need to put up, and they work all day, and they dump it on my desk at five or six at night, and they're like, let me see this. And so I get up, you know, sometimes five or six in the morning, and nobody's bothering me, nobody's writing me email, and I get my stuff done. And then by... Nine or ten, it's on their desk, and they say, "Okay, you know, here's the here's what I've written. Tell me if you like it or not. You know, that sort of thing." Um, the yeah, the habits of uh, working at a daily paper, always asking somebody to check your work, always um, planning for things to go wrong, always planning to beat deadlines so that you can at least make deadline. Um, always uh, expecting that the person who's giving you the material, the person that you're dealing with, 
um, may be smart or they may be just an overgrown two-year-old that you have to walk the, take them by the hand and walk them through the whole thing. Um, you know, always, yeah, just expecting the worst and kind of, you know, then being happily surprised. Uh, so I don't know. Um, you have your share of experience running a, a daily desk, and you know what it's like to, you've got eight hours, and you've got to produce something huge in that eight hours, and things are going to go wrong, and just kind of getting through it, I guess. Um, I don't know. Th those habits, you know, just, um, yeah, being careful, double-checking, uh, and, yeah, the things that become instinctive. Um, writing a, a sensible lead, you know, writing a, a good headline, just um, always yeah, getting to the point. Um, you know, I, I get writer's block with emails, but I don't get writer's block with copy. It's um, copy is something that you're, you're handling and you're doing it and there's a, there's a beginning and there's an end and you know how it works and it becomes instinctive and you just do that and you, you put it out. You know, one of the recurring themes that's emerging from these conversations with writers and editors, uh, one of the inescapable, undeniable themes is the importance of experience putting in the time, grinding it out, night after night after night. I, I remember when we were working on the news desk at the Stanford Advocate, every night was a battle, a race against the clock, a struggle to make deadline, and at the same time, maintaining a reasonably high level of quality, you know, not making mistakes, holding yourself to the highest possible standard. It was, it was hard most nights and putting out the paper, knowing that at the last minute you might have to rip up page one or spike an important story because your instinct told you there was something wrong with it or call the reporter at home to answer a question that someone else should have asked the reporter four hours earlier. And then explaining all of this to the managing editor and justifying your decisions about which stories deserve better play than other stories. The, the, <laughs> of course, the truth is that I miss the excitement and the adrenaline rush. I do. I, mi I miss all that uh, deeply, greatly, intensely. But uh, okay. Okay. That's enough time traveling. Now, returning to the present. Tom, how did you wind up in Provence in the south of France? Um, yeah, the, the Hungarian health system is in trouble. They, uh, you know, like for the last 10 years, they've been losing about a thousand doctors a year because um, the rest of EU pays doctors well. So... Um, we were worried about healthcare in Hungary when this COVID thing came up, and we didn't want to live in a city where you can't do much. So we came out to this little place that we were just bought, and we'd been staying in the French countryside. And I got to say, we're yeah, it's not so bad to do a pandemic out here. I think you are living the dream, Tom. So now you're writing from the south of France. Yeah, completely. Um, it's it is. Kind of, you know, talk about Hemingway, you know. Being in journalism has let me just kind of move around. Having this one skill to always be able to sell. English language editor. Um, knock wood, that's still pretty important even in Europe. They, you can sell that. And and it's been great. Now with the internet, um, I they doesn't matter where I am. A lot of really great people have lost work. A lot of my friends have lost work. But... For me, um, you know, it didn't change things. Um, I was always online. And 
time came that you know we wanted to get out of Budapest and and we've got a place in France we just go it didn't affect my work at all so it's been it's been good that way um, and yeah I mean that's a that's a great thing about editing um, now more than ever is that you can just you can travel you take it with you I love the details. I love this amazing story. As soon as the EU borders opened, we jumped in a car, drove uh, to the Slovenian border uh, with Italy on the 14th of June. And then as soon as the borders opened, we shot across Italy because we were really worried about the high rates of the virus there. Two hours, no, six hours driving. Like one toilet stop, uh, and, uh, and then got to France, and we've been here since. Um, but we will go back to Budapest uh, as soon as uh, you know things get better. I, I guess the the vaccine will get here long before it gets to Hungary. Um, so yeah, we're we're just sitting it out, and then we want to get back to Budapest. We do miss it, but for now, we're happy we had this this escape valve. Wow, that's great. Uh, so uh, what advice do you have for journalists who want to work in other countries? Um, so, yeah, they, with the Internet, you, you can go anywhere and everywhere. Um, I've done some travel writing. I like it. Uh, it's now, it's kind of endangered a little bit by things like TripAdvisor Trip and Yelp, although people are seeing that the value of a real journalist versus the value of just any old schlock who gets on, you know, the internet and types up their opinion. Um, there are, you know, there are a lot of areas. I I think specializing, having a, a specialty on top of journalism that you are selling, having a, a specific area that you are selling is great. What we did, uh, just general news coverage. It's harder. Uh, I think, um, you know, there. it's just because of the Internet. It's too easy. To, too many people can just get into that. But I would say be your own publisher, editor. Um, have something particular and interesting to sell and find that. Uh, also, yeah, I've been doing a lot of my work now for European Union agencies. Um, have the basic skills, be able to write, be able to edit. Those are needed. Um, they're not needed by the daily newspapers as much as they were, but they're needed by everyone else. Companies, businesses, they need to communicate. Um, governments need to communicate. I've been happy to not be just a straight-out flack, to be working for government EU agencies that I admire and that I think are important. You know, so that that has kind of mattered to me. Um, and I think yeah, there are a lot of different areas for getting out there and writing um, and places where communication skills are needed. Find those and uh, you can be doing that from anywhere. There's no reason not to. So now I'm living in Budapest, I'm living in France, and I'm filing in Munich, technically, but who cares? Um, I'm, I'm, and my copy is being read around the world. You know, it's, it's easier than ever to be 
um, itinerant, to just be you know a digital nomad. The, the thing to get is the skill, the contacts, and be known for what you do and you know, show people you can do it and get known for it. So last question here, Tom, what gives you the most satisfaction as a journalist? It's an interesting question. Um, it's uh, looking at the finished piece. I mean, you were, you were talking before, you mentioned um, that, uh, you know, the, the deadline stress, the, you've got eight hours and, and it's a struggle. And I remember back then working with you at The Advocate and thinking, yeah, I come here every day and I'm fighting the clock. And I, uh, I'm going up against the clock and it's a struggle. And there's got to be a day when it stops feeling like a struggle. But there's always that part of it. I think there's always the, the fighting the clock. And the satisfaction comes when it's done, when you look at what you've done. And you say, oh, well, hell, that's not so bad. Um, you know, that's interesting. People will want to look at this. People will want to read this. You know, and, and maybe I've said something important. And maybe I've got out some information that should be out there. And that, yeah, that comes after deadline when you look at what you've done. And then, of course, the next day, it's a new deadline, a new fight, and you're at it all over again. So, um, yeah, somehow, for some reason, uh, I like this. I don't know why, but I've gotten used to that pace. There you have it. That was from my dialogue with writer and editor Tom Popper. Tom is one of my favorite people, and I loved having the opportunity to chat with him again. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. Until next time, cheers, best wishes, and good health to you. That wraps up another episode of Paid by the Word, a podcast featuring conversations with writers, editors, and media professionals. We are grateful for your attention, and we wish you all the very best. Stay safe and be well. Bye-bye.